Greetings, business professionals, and welcome to another video edition of Building Better Businesses. I am your host, Steve Eschbach, and I'm delighted to have you join us on another one of our episodes. I am one of a few Transworld Business Advisor owners here in Chicagoland, and we specialize in assisting business owners confidentially sell and match them with qualified buyers. Transworld, by the way, is the world's largest and fastest growing business brokerage firm. I also own a number of other entities that are designed to assist business owners enhance value. You know, I have been a corporate executive and a business owner for more than 40 years, so you would think I would know everything possible about running a business efficiently. Well, you would be further from the truth. In fact, I am delighted to say that many of my successes have been attributable to you out there who have, quote, been there, done that in a world that never seems to stop changing. So I'm delighted now to present another episode whereby we can learn from a subject matter expert on how to enhance your business operations. Now on to the next edition of Building Better Businesses. Good morning, everyone. My name is Steve Eschbach. I am the owner of Transworld Business Advisors of Naperville, and welcome to another edition of Building Better Businesses. I'm delighted to have a guest today by the name of Reed Goosens, and he has a background that is uh, quite unique. Uh, it started out in engineering, and now he's a real estate entrepreneur. I'm going to let him describe his background. He probably can do a better job than I can. Well, first of all, thank you, Reed, for joining me, and I look forward to uh, chatting with you over the next 15 or 20 minutes or so. So, Reed, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Steve, for having me on the show. Uh, I guess a little bit about myself is as soon as I open my mouth, you realize I'm not from this country. So I'm originally from Australia and I moved to the US back in 2012. And the reason I moved here was to chase chase a girl, which is who's now my wife, which is that's the good, that's the fairy tale. Um, but the other part was really just to live as an expat in New York City and uh, for a couple of years had the, had the traveling itch. And uh, moved here as a structural engineer. I uh, got a job uh, because obviously can't be in the country without a visa. And then quickly thereafter, I started getting involved in real estate. Um, already had the bug for real estate prior to moving to the United States, but really moving to the US opened my eyes to the the lower barriers to entry here in the US market compared to where I was from in Australia. So for me, it was coming here, you know, trying to chase a dream, and then you know just following the crumbs along the way. And um, now eight years later, I, I now have my own real estate investment firm called Wildhorn Capital. And we uh, have about two, 2,200 units under management in Texas, about $250 million assets under management. And I say that not to boast, Stephen, I say it to inspire um, the average American because if I can move halfway across the world um, to a foreign country, I had limited funds when I came here. I didn't have really any real estate investing experience. I had, I had no real network. And in the last eight years, I've built something out of nothing, um, including having visa issues and green card issues to, to top it all off. Uh, if I can do it and, and achieve some sort of financial freedom, then, then so can the average American. And that's really what I uh, hope people can get out of this episode today. Well, good. We'll explore that in greater detail in a moment. But we, now we've got to rewind the videotape. So uh, tell me about where you grew up. I think you grew up uh, down under. And then tell me about your childhood. What was that? Well, how was that for you? Yeah, my childhood was pretty awesome. You know, growing up in on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, surfing, riding horses. We had a little hobby farm. My parents were both high school teachers. Um, my dad happened to be the deputy principal of my, of my high school, so I had a pretty um, well-grounded upbringing. Pretty blue collar, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. But you know, my parents instilled in me the 
that hard work does pay off and not be afraid to roll up your sleeves. Uh, they also instilled in me that, you know, the value of a dollar. And I remember getting my first job at the age of 13 and a half, you know, at a local cafe, trying to, to earn my way to, to pay for my hobbies and stuff like that. So ever since a young age, my parents have always instilled in me, you know, work hard, uh, the world's your oyster and you can achieve anything if you put your mind to it. And so, uh, but also, you know, being teachers, they very much instilled in me uh, work ethic. And that's really something that you can't teach. It just comes from doing it over and over again. Sounds good. So uh, in my background, I grew up as a youngster, wanted to play baseball. Of course, I never became a major league baseball player, went into accounting, then into investing, and now I own my own business. So how did you go from where you were growing up as a child to the engineering, then to real estate? How did that progression happen for you? Yeah, it was more to do with just coming out of high school. What intrigued me, and I actually was really into horses uh, growing up, and I thought I wanted to become a vet, but I didn't quite have the grades coming out of high school to to get in the top tier schools. So engineering was something that you know I was very mathematically minded, and so I, I said engineering. Great. It's, it's a problem solving degree. Uh, got into that, really enjoyed studying engineering. And then as soon as I graduated in 2007, I actually went straight overseas to, to London and I worked on the 2012 Olympic Games, the development of all the infrastructure for those Olympic Games, but in 2008. And that was really just the start of this bug to live a live abroad. A lot of Australians want to live abroad. We, uh, we come from a country that takes a long time to get to. Uh, so every time we go, go overseas, we get to broaden our mind. And moving to London was a real challenge. And, and that also helped, came with so many other benefits, you know, meeting so many new people, traveling to Europe, um, being able to work and live in a country is so much different than, than just visiting as a tourist. And then from that, when coming back from, from those travels back to Australia, it was more the fact that when I was back sitting in a cubicle in Australia, you know, looking at my life and going, wow, I've just come back from two years abroad, working obviously, but now I'm back and, and nothing's really changed. And for me, I've grown so much as a human that I, I can't do this for the next 40 years of my life. I can't sit in a cubicle for the next 40 years of my life. So I really had this spark to want to go off and do more and be more. And it was actually stumbling across the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, back in 2010, after coming back from those travels that really started to cement the path of okay, what do I want to do with my life? How do I get my money working for me? And for me, I didn't even know what the word entrepreneur meant. <laughs> I just knew that I needed to maybe be my own boss at one, you know, at some stage in the future. And so that was really the start of it. And then, you know, fast forward all these years, it, it, it through being an engineer, through being surrounded by development, through being inquisitive about uh, hard assets um, is really what sort of got led me down the path of real estate. My dad happened to have a bit of success as a high school teacher, just investing in his local market. And um, I thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm an engineer. I know how to build stuff. I need to invest in real estate too. And over time that has now led to me being my own boss in my own real estate company. So pretty, pretty proud of that. Sounds good. So what are some of the ways you've built your own business that seem to be uh, not the norm, if you will, seemingly atypical from other people? So tell me about how your business came to be, how you created your team and how it is separate and distinct from many others out there. Yeah. So the big thing for me when I first started was like a lot of people, when they start a business, you're, you're probably working full time, right? And you've got this side hustle and it's not until the side hustle becomes you know, your full-time hustle. And, and in, the, in the beginning, it was about creating a brand for myself. And, and because what I'm in the business of is attracting other people's capital to invest in commercial real estate. So I use syndication. So that's the basis of the business. And so if people are going to trust me uh, with their money. I need to have a personal brand of the Reed Goosens brand and share my story. And so I started the podcast called Investing in the US early on back in 2014. 
And I was just educating folks about the benefits of investing here in the United States because I was going through so many incredible learning curves and through you know, development, you know, understanding what an LLC was, understanding what an EIN number was, understanding how to buy cash flow for, for cash flow, understanding you know, these incredible lending arms that we didn't have available in my home country. So all these things that I come from that the average American maybe take for granted here, I thought was really fascinating. And I documented that in a podcast and through sharing those stories, people get to, got to then to trust me. And through that trust, I was able to then ask them, okay, would you like to invest in some deals that I'm finding? And through that, it just was a bit of a snowball effect, but really trying to position myself as a key person of influence in my sphere about real estate investing was really, really critical in the beginning to help build the solid foundations to go and build an investment business from that. Sounds good. So we are here recording this at the tail end of 2020. We're in the fourth quarter, just starting. And you've done it for many, many years. But I would imagine that 2020 has been an atypical year. Mm -hmm. You've experienced quite a bit that you probably never, ever would have imagined. So what has changed over the course of the past, let's say, nine months? And how does that change you and your team's outlook or viewpoint or how you approach things in terms of your business? Well, first and foremost, you know, I don't have that much gray hair, but it has given me some gray hair this this year. But what it has done is allowed me, you know, part of the business that of attracting capital is also being in the industry for a long period of time. Now, I, I experienced 2008, but I wasn't an active investor then. This is the new 2008. And so for us, it's been a good litmus test of how strong our fundamentals of our business are, how good do we underwrite our deals, and how are we managing the current situation day in, day out, and navigating that these uncharted waters. And all of those things we've come, I believe we've come through with flying colors. And that's because we reacted quickly. We have a team structure in place that we like to empower our managers to make decisions that is right for the community, that's right for our residents. And really at the end of the day, this COVID-19 has been a, a big realization that we're in the people business, right? We provide housing and shelter for people. And if we don't have our people at the top of mind, you know, the first thing we think of when we came into this pandemic, you know, they're going to go away and they're going to think of us as a big bad landlord. So for us, it was really about getting out in front of it, making, understand that we are in the people business, treating people like humans and knowing that they maybe have lost their job because Uh, you know, not because of anything they've done, but just because of the fact that the world is in a pandemic. And so for us, that was really important to try and keep our tenants in in our properties, because if we don't have tenants, we don't have rental income, we don't have rental income, we can't pay our bills and our cash flow and pay our investors. So overall, it's really, really, really cemented the fact that we are in the people business and that we've got to treat its people first across the board, employees and tenants and investors to make sure we're all happy and we can get through these really uncharted territory. Sounds like uh, it's a pretty exciting time here. So I often ask this question of my guests, of what have been your mistakes that you've experienced over the course of your career? But I don't call them mistakes. I view everything as a learning experience. I try to take that word mistake out of my vernacular. But, you know, absent 2019, what are some of the things that you've learned that you can now do your business a little bit better, you and your team? I think, you know, there's no major mistakes at any one time. There's been stumbling blocks along the way. I think a lot of people probably listening to this podcast fear the mistakes too much and they're never actually taking action. And for me, it's like my first deal that I bought was $38,000 in upstate New York. And 
I quickly figured out what Section 8 housing was, you know, and something that I probably wasn't very good at. Um, I remember having a drive-by shooting at that, that first ever property. Now, I wasn't, it didn't smack it out of the park. I got some cash flow out of it. I made my money back. I made a little bit more, but it got me off the home plate. And, it got, you know, you don't get to deal number 10 without doing deal number one. And so there's got to be mistakes along the way. And this is for the, your listeners out there. It's about getting started, right? And you just have to know and have the right team members and the mentors around you to protect, you know, to guide you and avoid those mistakes. But there will be some, right? And, and for me, maybe buying the right thing. I remember having mistakes with general contractors. I've had mistakes with accounting teams. I've had mistakes hiring and firing the right type of people. All those things are just the evolution. And if you come to the realization that there will be some mistakes along the way, and you become comfortable with that because there's no business out there that hasn't experienced mistakes. If you, you know, we're imperfect human beings, right? We, we're all going to have experienced something. So for me, it's like, don't fear that, that and, and fear it so much that you will, will never actually make any action towards your goals. And I think that's the biggest mistake a lot, I see a lot of people making. They just talk themselves out of taking any action and then they never get anywhere. They stay exactly where they are and they, they hate their lives and they realize, well, I haven't achieved my goal because you haven't taken any action. You know, it's uh, interesting, your commentary there. I have to imagine that uh, you probably interact with many other business people and you have probably, A, given advice to people. So what would be the best advice you've given to any entrepreneur? And B, what has been the best advice you've received to date? So maybe you can comment mm. on both. Let me do the, the second one first. The best advice I've received today was actually from my dad. Uh, and I remember him saying to me as a you know teenager, a fool and their money are easily parted. And if you're being a fool with your money, then you're not going to have much of it. And so what does that mean? That means you've got to start with education, right? You're listening to podcasts and ignorance isn't an excuse anymore, Steve. Like, you know, you can go out and learn anything you want. You're learning a new language or learning how to read a P&L and, and buy a business. All these things can be learned. And if we stop learning, we stop growing. And I think that's the most important piece of advice I've ever received. And I think I would pass that advice on to other people. Never stop being curious about what you don't know, because as soon as you do stop, then things are going to eat you up. And that, that includes in the business world. Don't think that you've, I know how to create great businesses and you know, technology is changing so fast. Like just think of you know, COVID right now and how office space and the way we interact on Zoom, like if we're not keeping up with the times and we're not moving forward and riding this, this, this very fast changing world of technology, then our businesses maybe, maybe suffer. And so as the CEO of your business, uh, you need to always be looking at the North Star and, and being the captain of your ship so you can you know, ride that wave and make sure that you are keeping up as technology evolves. That's uh, so important. It really is. I was telling many people that if I never knew about Venmo, or any type of electronic paying service, I would still have a number of outstanding receivables from my kids. <laughs> Ironically, they have checking accounts, but they don't have any checks. And the only way that they'll pay me is through Venmo. And I was with my daughter this past weekend and she bought a couple things through me and she instantaneously reimbursed me. So technology, as you said, is uh, absolutely ideal. Let's kind of talk a little bit about your involvement in the community. And uh, I think many would agree that your presence in the community is critically important for a successful business. Describe how you would encounter that or what you'd recommend the other business owners to do in terms of involvement in the community. I think it's first starts with self-awareness, right? Like when you get into uh, the real estate business, I got into the real estate business to become financially free personally, but right. But when you get to that point, there's more to, you know, I got there pretty, you know, relatively quickly. 
but then there's more to give. You've got to give back. And this is where the COVID has really, as a business on my side of the fence, has really cemented what I said before, that we are in the people game. Like we are in the game of providing shelter for medium and low cost uh, income people, right? Who have been probably the most affected by this entire pandemic. So understanding and being self-aware as a business owner about what the decisions you make on your, you know, particularly in real estate, uh, will affect people's day-to-day lives, you know, you know, in terms of rental increases, in terms of evictions, in terms of um, kicking people out or skipping or, you know, com- decent communication with your tenants to make sure that they understand that we're there for them, right? We don't want to lose them because of the pandemic. We want them to stay in their, in their units and, and we can work out a payment plan if they can't make, the, make rent. So all these different things as a business owner, we've had to learn very quickly and that's changed based on when I first got started in the business, which was really just to achieve financial freedom for myself and my family. So I think overall, the way in which we give back to the community is by, as particularly in my business, is being self-aware about the decisions I make as a CEO and how they affect the people on the ground that, that are renting from me. And I think that is, that's going to evolve in, in you know, years to come. But being, again, aware of the everyday evolution of the decisions we make is super important. And I think one of the biggest things that I, I as a CEO need to be checking myself at the door each and every day. That's very important. So tell me a little bit about your ideal client. What is the best client for you and your company? Uh, the, the most ideal client is an accredited investor who um, is looking to invest passively. They may not have the time nor the energy to go out and find great deals that we're, we're finding each and every day. And they want to, but they want to get their money working for them out of the stock market and maybe into some hard assets like real estate. And so we offer people the opportunity to invest alongside of us as we find deals, you know, deal by deal situation. And people get to benefit in the, you know, sort of armchair investing. They don't have to lift a finger, but they can enjoy the benefits of investing alongside of us. We get to benefit because we get to use other people's money to acquire these larger assets along with our own money. But we, uh, it's really a partnership between investors and our business to go off and find great deals and to go off and help investors grow their wealth over a period of time. You know, it's funny that you mentioned um, your ideal client. So I, being a business broker with Transworld, I get a lot of, I would say, executives who are now in transition that don't want to go back to the corporate environment. You and I both know that we really have the time of our lives running our own companies. But if you ask someone looking to buy a business, have you ever thought about investing in real estate with some of the attributes that you're talking about? That's another alternative, I think, for someone wanting to move forward and having some income come in in a non-traditional, non-corporate executive role. I think that's probably a good avenue to take as well. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're almost near the tail end of our uh, conversation here. There's probably some things that we haven't covered in my question. So what other messages have we missed in terms of my asking you about any philosophies with respect to A, owning your own business, the particular industry that you're in, any guidelines for anybody out there to be successful? I'll give you the, uh, the opportunity to share any additional insights that I may have missed. Yeah, I think for those business owners out there that are struggling or, or not understanding how to evolve with the times, remember whatever business you're in, you're always in the constant mode of one, attracting capital, attracting JV partnerships, attracting good employees, retaining good employees, building business culture, and all those things start with the leader of the company, right? And I think so many people in small businesses think that they that doesn't matter. And I think the really important thing is remember to be a key person of influence in whatever business you do, because people will want to do business with people they like and they trust. And if they can like and trust you as a human being, then the business is going to come so much easier. 
So for those people out there who, who are starting businesses or maybe they're struggling a little bit, maybe think about how you can be share your story about your journey, about how you've created your business in order to be vulnerable, in order to break down those walls and have a communication and a dialogue with other people who want to do business with you because they like the message you have to, that you stand on your morals, your business culture. And that to me is really fundamental and how you go and scale a business over a long period of time. Because when people can like and trust you and like what you say and, and the morals in which you stand on and the message and the mission statement that you stand by, all that stuff is really good marketing, but it also helps attract the right type of people to who you want to do business with, right? And it weeds out all the people who you don't want to do business with. So it's really important to have that message, to be that key person of influence. And again, it doesn't matter what business you're in, you have to always lead with the person behind the CEO, the person leading the company and their story and their message. Yeah, it sounds like your philosophy is similar to mine. Relationship building is key. So mm -hmm. once you get over that hurdle, I think the rest of it kind of falls into place. 100%. Reed, I thank you very much for your time. But before we go, I'd like you to uh, tell the audience where they can go to learn more about you and your your business. So uh, sure. now you can give them the direction that they need to go to find out more about you. Yeah. So you can find a lot about me. You can go to head to reedgoosens.com. That's R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S.com. You can see I've got a couple of books up there, some audio books. I've got the podcast. There's a couple of buttons that you can invest with me. You can work with me. There's many ways of reaching out. And, and if anyone is coming through Los Angeles and they want to hit up, you know, hit me up for beer or coffee or lunch, want to talk shop, um, you can just hit me up, uh, send me an email at info, that's I-N-F-O at reedgoosens.com. Just give me a little bit of heads up before you're coming through town and we can make something happen. That'd be great, Reed. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for sharing your insights and uh, appreciate it. Thank you so Thank much. You. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele which in turn will build you a better business.